When I was, uh, when I got my first car, everybody remember getting your first car? And I remember I, uh, you got, you know, you're so excited because you've got a car. But what you don't realize when you're 16 and you have no frontal lobe is that it actually takes gas to fuel a vehicle and insurance and all these different things. And I remember my first car, it was a Jeep Wrangler. It was, I felt so cool. I took the top off and drove it all around Colorado. And, uh, I would hit curbs. Anybody's kids hit curbs? Like every time you go to turn, you hit something or you ram something. And what happens when you hit a curb with your car? Alignment. Alignment. And what happens when your car gets misaligned? It shakes, it pulls. And what do you got to do? You got to take this car and you got to constantly yank it back into, into, into position. And I remember my dad was driving my car one day and it was yanking all over the place. And he said, buddy, you got you to gotta go get your car aligned because if you don't, you're going to wear your tires down and this is going to be way more expensive. And I remember going into the alignment store and saying, I got to get this aligned. And they're like, it's going to be 70 bucks or whatever it was. And of course, that's a lot of money. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't, maybe I'll just keep doing it. And so sure enough, I didn't get it aligned and the tires wore down and it got way more expensive. And here's what I want to tell you today. There is one or more area in your life that you are misaligned. I just promise. There's nobody in this church that's got it all together. And we say it all the time, you know, half, you know, we're up here in Orange County, everybody comes in here all thin, Botoxed out, looking perfect, and you're like, oh my gosh, they must have it all together. The truth of the matter is, the more they look like they got it together, what is usually the case? I'm just saying, I've been around long enough, you know, if it, if it walks and quacks like a duck, So Jesus comes along, and he says this, this outrageous thing. He says, come follow me. He says, come follow me. And what that meant in that day and age was if you were to follow a rabbi, if you were to be a disciple, you would literally walk and talk and function just like them. And so Jesus comes along, and he's going to make this, this kind of outrageous claim of what it means to follow Jesus. And when you first read it, it sounds incredibly unappealing. Do you ever read some of Scripture and go, if Scripture was like a marketing playbook, it's terrible. Like, you just read it, and you're like, I don't want to do that. And so Jesus comes along, and this is what he says in Luke 9. He says to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple, which, by the way, it's kind of why we're here, we're kind of here to learn and understand what it means to walk and talk and function like Jesus. That's why we're here. So Jesus goes, if you want to be my disciple, here's what it looks like. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. Forever who wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the world but lose the very essence of who they are? You ever felt like you've got out of line and you've kind of lost who you are? You ever kind of stared at yourself in the mirror and just been like, I don't even know if I know that person. I don't even know if that's who I want to be. And Jesus comes in and he goes, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to work through this process. Everybody say process. Following Jesus is a process. He says, if you want to do it, you got to work through this process. But when you look at the process on the surface, it sounds pretty unattractive. 
It's like you got to die to yourself. You got to decide you don't want the world. You got to surrender everything. You got to live on a cross. You got to do all these things that on the surface look really unappealing. But Jesus was building a case for what it means to follow him. And the reason he was doing it was very interesting because if you go back a few verses when G- before Jesus said this, it's very interesting. Luke 9, verse 18. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, let me stop. Jesus is praying and it doesn't say that his disciples were praying with him. It says Jesus were praying and his disciples were with them. So the scripture is showing a difference. Jesus is down seeking the depth of God. And his disciples are doing something else. They're just with him. And so Jesus turns to them and says, who do the crowds say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah and still others, one of the prophets from long ago. And then Jesus asked this question that's so important. He goes, who do you say that I am? Because while I'm sitting here praying and seeking the fullness of God, something was going on in the disciples' heart, and Jesus was about to penetrate. He goes, who do you say that I am? And and, and Peter says, well, I'll tell you who you are. You are God's Messiah. Now, you have to understand why this is so important. all All the Israelites... We're longing and waiting for the Messiah to return. Do you know why? Because when the Messiah returned, what it meant was that the government would be overthrown. And there would be a physical government established. And all of a sudden, these fishermen that were lowly and poor and pushed aside, all of a sudden, if Jesus was the Messiah, if Jesus came and overthrew the Roman government, then there would be a physical government on earth. And these disciples were poised to be leaders of the world. And they were excited. They were excited for Jesus to overthrow the physical government and play the role on earth as kingmaker. And they couldn't wait. And so Jesus is here praying, but he saw something in their heart. He saw that they didn't have a kingdom vision for their life. They had an earthly vision for their life. And sometimes we get so inundated with an earthly vision for our life that we lose the kingdom vision for our life. And Jesus, while he was praying, recognized that their heart was off. And he goes, who do you think that I am? And they go, you're the one that's gonna make us elevated on earth. And the reason why I know this is true because if you look at the scriptures that that were encompassing this moment, Luke 9, 46, an argument started amongst the disciples about which one of them would be the greatest. Luke 9, 49, Master said, John, we saw somebody driving out demons in your name and we tried to stop them because they weren't one of us. And then it went on to say, they replied, Jesus replied to him, what do you want from me? And he said, let one of us sit at your right and one at your left. And Jesus said, the son of man didn't even come to elevate himself. And so what was going on in this time in history was Jesus was trying to teach this lesson about what it means to follow him while those closest to him were only interested in being elevated. And here's the message I wanna hear you hear today. God is not trying to elevate us. He's trying to indwell us. There is a big difference between God elevating you and God indwelling you. God will not elevate someone in which he is not indwelled. 
God's mission is to radically penetrate your soul and blow your mind with the fullness of the Spirit of God in you. And every single time we get to these moments in Scripture where you go, God wants to indwell you and God wants to change you, and you go, how in the world does that happen? How do we go from, from only knowing God as the genie God, please, God, please, God, please, God, please, God, please. To God is the one that indwells us and transforms us and changes. And Jesus gives us the answer. He goes, if you want to know how I indwell you, it goes like this. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the world and lose your soul? This is church, so I'm going to give you a couple different alliterations for you to remember because it's the easiest way to learn. I'm gonna tell you three things you gotta do for God to indwell you. Everybody say three. Three, three ways that God is gonna indwell you. And these are gonna be practical ways. Here's the first one. Try saying no sometimes. I'm, I'm, try saying no Sometimes Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, the first thing you got to do, do is you've got to deny yourself. Sometimes we've got to say no. It is absolutely easy to fill our entire lives with things, with stuff, with agendas, and we never ever learn the discipline of saying no to things, especially in today's culture. And Jesus says, if you want me to indwell you, it starts with saying no sometimes. Recently, I was, uh, I, I own a few software companies and I was traveling to Dallas and has anybody ever had a panic attack? I mean, like a real, like a real one. I don't mean like, ah, I'm scared. I mean, like, you're like, I'm dying. Like, I can't feel my left arm. Anybody ever had that? So I, I've never had one. I had one. Most unbelievable thing that's ever happened to me outside of marriage and kids, panic attack. <laughs> like I told my wife, I was like, I'm dying. Like I can't feel my left arm. And she's like, oh, you're there you go again. No, I'm telling you, I can't feel my left arm. I'm dying. <laughs> I was telling my business partner about this. I'm like, dude, I think I'm dying. I don't know if I can keep doing this. You know, it's too much. I'm dying. And he said, dude, you, you do business like little, play, little kids play rec soccer. You chase every ball. You've got to learn to say no sometimes. Can I tell you what I, I, I wrote this note here. Try saying no sometimes. Guys, we got to learn to delete apps. And this is what I mean by, you have, you have apps in your life and you've got apps on your phone and that, are, that are stealing every space that God wants to occupy. Do you know what I had to do? No lie, you know what I had to do? I got on my phone. I'm like, what is everything on this phone that's occupying space that God should have? You know what one of my killer ones was? Anybody have Zillow or Redfin or anything on their phone? Anybody constantly looking at your next big house? Anybody? I'm always like, I got, I got to find that house that fits me. You know what I mean? This thing's too small. This thing's too old. And, and I'm looking at my next house and I'm looking at that waterfall pool and everything. And I'm like, that is me. LinkedIn, Red, uh, Zillow, all these apps, all day long, I'm just looking, I'm slacking, all, all this stuff. And God's like, dude, you have no space for me to indwell you. You have no space. 
You have never learned the discipline of denying yourself. Therefore, you can never be my disciple if you haven't learned the discipline to deny yourself. My, my dad always said this growing up, and I'm gonna say it right now, and I pray to God that you feel it. I, he, used to, he says it probably all the time to you. Remember, how do you know if it's God's voice? It's much louder than audible. God's voice is louder than audible. And right now, I believe with all my heart, the Spirit of God is speaking to you going, there are things that you need to get out of your life. You need to say no to. And you know, you know when you know it's God? When you go, oh, that can't be it. That's when you know it's God. Oh, that's silly. That's, it's not that. It's something way more than my clothes budget. God, clothes budget. It's not that. Oh, yeah, it is. It's those things that, that first hit you and God goes that, that, that. It's something as simple as a Zillow app on your phone that's stealing your affection for me. Get rid of it. Deny yourself. Learn to be a disciple. Try saying no sometimes. In the spirit of rhyming, try saying no sometimes. Try letting go sometimes. I love this. Jesus says, if you want to save your life, you're going to lose it. How many of you got everything under control? Mm. I got it. Yeah, but we like thinking we do, don't we? We like playing the game. I got this. I can control this. I, I can set the agenda. I can map this out. And God goes, here's the way you know you're missing being my disciple. When you're trying to control your life. See, it's not about trying to save your life. What Jesus is doing is he's teaching what it looks like. So again, in the, Old Test in, in the New Testament, in, in, when you would follow a rabbi, if you could ever go back, they would, a disciple would literally walk just like the rabbi. They'd walk in the same steps. They'd walk in the same cadence. They'd walk in the same flow. That's what it meant to be a disciple. And what Jesus is saying is, if, if you want to walk like me, you learn to say no sometimes. You learn to let go sometimes. Because what Jesus said is, even I don't have control of my life. Even Jesus said in the garden and said, God, I don't want to die on the cross, but your will be done. And so what Jesus began to teach was in the life of a disciple is somebody that says, I'm not in control of this story. I've got to learn to let go sometimes. Here's the third one. Try going slow sometimes. Try saying no. Try letting go and try going slow. He says, you want to try to gain the world? Is that your game? Is that your game? You're going to, you're going to get it all, are you? That's your story? You got this big agenda, you got this big plan, you got it all figured out, don't you? You wanna gain the world. Not. And when you say, okay, so you're the only spiritual one here. The rest of us, <laughs> you're preaching next Sunday, whoever said that. <laughs> when you say, oh, I don't wanna gain the world, you wanna gain your world. See, this is, how we, this is how we couch stuff. Well, I'm not trying to be like her. I'm not trying to be like him. I'm just trying to, you're just trying to gain your world. See, nobody's exempt from this. Every single person has their agenda and their story and their framework they're going after. And Jesus goes, if you want to be by a disciple, if you want to walk like me, you've got to create space. You've got to say no, and you've got to slow down because what I'm going to do with every single one of those decisions that you make, you begin to create space for me to occupy. And right now, there's so many of us in this room that have no space for God to indwell. 
We've got superficial Western spirituality. Jesus. We got that down, you know? Jesus, 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 Jesus. We got that down. There's no space. There's no space. There's no space. I'm talking about space. I'm talking about places in your heart where you go, God, there's nothing occupying this. It's, it's barren, fertile, empty land for you to come in. And I wonder if any of us have the courage to sit down and go, God, what are the areas of my life that I know you're, 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 you're just telling me to say no to and I keep saying yes to? What are those areas that you're asking me to let go of and I just can't? What are those areas you're telling me to slow down and I just can't? God, I promise you this, friends, I promise you this, every single one of those things are space that God wants to indwell. Now, let me give you the why. Let me give you the why God wants to do this. Um, it's not just, God is not, you know, God's not one of those uh, beings or, or, or creations that's just doing stuff because he's bored. You know what I mean? Like, he's not like, I'm just doing this to see how far I can push you. There actually is, there, God wants to fill that space with something. And I want to tell you, there's a million things he wants to fill with, but I'm going to give you three. Just make this simple. So if we let go, we say no, and we go slow, what's going to get, what does God want to fill in that? I'm going to give you three things. They all start with an R. Again, it's just church, so let's make it easy to remember. Here's the first thing that God wants to fill that space with is rest. Everybody say rest. God's word says this, whoever dwells in the shelter of the most high will rest in the shadow of the almighty. God's word says that when you dwell, you rest. When you dwell, you rest. Can somebody bring me up a paperweight for Pete's sake? This thing keeps blowing all over the place, driving me up the wall. But to, that 10 minutes ago, and I was like, honey, he's fine. You know, Jiru, you'd think this many years in marriage, you'd have it figured out. If they say to do something, they're right. But you have to understand the importance of rest. You have to understand the importance of rest because when they talk about the wings of the Most High, the shadow of the Most High, in, 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 in New Testament terms, it was a Jewish term for the word zitzit. And have you ever seen a, a Jewish person with, with one of those um, cloths on their back and the, and the tassels? That, 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 have you ever seen that? That was a physical representation of the shadow of God indwelling you. And the reason that they would do that is because the Jewish people believed that inside of God's rest was healing. Inside of God's rest was healing. As a matter of fact, in God's word, Matthew 14, 34 through 35 says this. When they had crossed over, they landed at this place I can't pronounce. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to the surrounding country. Now listen to this. People brought all their sick to him and begged them to just let the sick touch the edge of Jesus's zitzit. Because when they did, they were healed. And God says this, the reason I want you to say no, slow, and let go, the reason I want you to create space in your heart because there are things in your life that are broken and they need healing. Things like self-esteem, things like ambition, things like fear and doubt, things like failed expectations, hurt from somebody in your past. And you know the best way in, in, in modern society to deal with pain? Avoidance. 
It's brilliant. All I've got to do, how many times do you scroll down on Instagram and you're like, I'm sorry, we literally have nothing else to show you. Like you've pulled that little thing down, so you're pulling that thing down faster than people can post. We've sent you like 75 sponsored ads. We got nothing else. It's not hard to avoid healing. It's just painful. And God's word says, do you know why I want you to create space? It's because I want you to rest. Because when you rest, you heal. When you rest, you heal. Because those that dwell rest. And those that rest get healed. And there's something in your life that's stopping you from being absolutely amazing. Did you know that? I don't care who you are. There's, there's a handful of things in your life that are stopping you from being absolutely astounding in God. And God's like, if I could just get you to say no or slow or let go, I could create space in your heart. I could occupy that and I could allow you to heal. God wants you to heal. The second one, rest is the first one. The second one is reconciliation. It's a word, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 18 says this. Therefore, if anybody is in Christ, if you're dwelling in Christ, if it's not worried about God elevating you, but indwelling you, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The new is gone, the old has come. Therefore, whoever has reconciled us to himself in Christ will give us the ministry of reconciliation. Here's what reconciliation means. It means change. It's a simple word called change. How many of you know there's some things in your life that you need to change? Absolutely. Isn't it so funny at church? You're like, oh. <laughs> Isn't it funny how human nature is like, I don't want anybody to know. Man, one of the, one of the greatest joys of my life is I look back at my life. Um, you know, you might not be able to tell on stage, but I'm not over six foot. I was, a, I was a C student. I'd bring a C home. My dad's like, oh my gosh, you got a C? Here's 10 bucks. It's amazing. <laughs> I'd go try out for the basketball team. I remember a baseball team, trying out for the baseball team where my coach pulled me in and he said, hey man, you're, um, you're not very good. He's like, man, man, but I love your energy, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep you on the team. And uh, I tell you those story. I, I learned early on that, that I needed help. I learned early on that, that it wasn't gonna just be easy and natural. So I learned early on the power of going, man, I need healing. I need change. I need to change things in my life. And this is the ministry that God does. He goes, if I create space in your heart, it's not to bore you. It's not to, 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 to make you feel like you're taking steps back. It's to occupy that space to begin to give you healing and rest and change in areas of your life. How many of you know some of you in this room need to change the way you look at your spouse? And he's not here, so you know... How many of you know some of you need to change the way you look at yourself? How many of you know you got some people in your life that, that you look at in a very ugly way and you need to change it? How many of you know you need some change in your life? 
You know the thing about changes? Has anybody here ever, um, ever changed a bad habit? And then once you got through like the tension of it, really, really were upset with yourself for changing the bad habit. Anybody? I mean, changing bad habits and putting new habits in is the most beautiful thing we can do. And what God's trying to say is, you know what my, you want to you know how my disciples walk? You want to know what it looks like to walk with me? It's people that say no, let go, go slow. And every day, more and more of their hearts getting space opened up, opened up, opened up. And all of a sudden, there's all this empty space in their soul. And then God starts to fill it with rest and healing and change. And all of a sudden, you're like, man, I'm walking different. I'm talking different. I'm not pursuing the same things I used to pursue. I'm not thinking the same thoughts I used to think. It didn't come naturally. I didn't click my heels. And all of a sudden, it just changed. What happened was I started to say no, go slow, let go. And space started opening and God started filling it. I started looking different. I started resting. I started changing. And finally, here's the third one I'll give you. God says, when you do this, I'm going to give you revelation. I'm going to give you vision for the future. How many of you know that God has a crazy future for you? I don't know what happens as you get a little older. You start to think that like my story has been told and now I'm, you know, this is kind of, I've plateaued. Not in God's world. No, no, God's word says this in, in Ephesians 1, 16 through 18. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in all my prayers. Keep asking that God, the Lord Jesus, the Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you'll know him better. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious people. I just wanna say this today. Being a disciple of Jesus is not coming to church. It's not. It's not automatic withdrawal for tithing. It's, it's not. It's, it's not these things. Here's what a disciple is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break it down so you never have to wonder. I don't really get this whole thing. It's so simple. Here it is. Ready? Disciples, people that follow Jesus. Now, remember, they walk like the, the Messiah. So when all of a sudden Jesus is like, who do you think I am? You're the one that's going to overthrow the government and we're going to have these amazing positions. That, and you're like, ah, it's not it. It's people that can deny themselves. It's people that can go slow and say no and create space in their heart, empty space. And God goes, I'm going to sweep into that space in your heart and I'm going to heal you. I'm going to heal you. I'm gonna sweep into that space in your heart. I'm gonna change you. Because you know, we can't change till we're healed. Anybody ever, you know that? You can't change till you're healed, I'm sorry. You gotta let that healing come in, that change come in. And then you know what happens when we change? God gives us unbelievable revelation and vision for the future. Disciples experience rest and healing change all the time in their heart. They're constantly changing and they constantly have a spirit of revelation on them where they can see new things that God is doing. That is what a disciple is. And the only way to get there is to say no to some things in your life, to let go of some things in your life and to slow down in some things in your life. You do that and you will rest, and you will change, and you will heal, and you will see visions for your future that you won't even believe in. Jesus goes, I'm not here to elevate you. I'm here to indwell you. Because when I indwell you, it's so much more powerful than being elevated.